Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. DG, how did Miles Garrett's suspension end up being upheld? When there's video evidence of another NFL player years ago also using an opponent's helmet against him as a weapon, and that guy missed only one regular season game and only one regular season paycheck. It's a good question. It's a fair question. As we come back to your calls, questions, comments, complaints on all things, NFL, college football, Canes in the NHL, Hornets, Rockets at Clippers tonight and other NBA. The MLS appears to be headed to Charlotte, North Carolina with a new expansion team. No official announcement yet, but one is expected in the weeks to come. There's a big heavyweight boxing match this weekend. The NCAA soccer tournament has all sorts of teams and schools we know well uh, involved in that particular bracket. College basketball is heating up, of course. Duke and Carolina and Louisville and Virginia and Florida State among the national contenders and some quality depth even behind those five ACC schools. You could be next with your question or comment as it's a huge weekend for many in college football. Some, of course, with goals much bigger than others i start the conversation nationally with penn state at ohio state and also texas a&m visiting georgia meanwhile around here as we come to josh and charlotte dale and graham and you at 1-800-849-2761 and i'll answer your miles garrett question app state hosts a lowly texas state team in boone this week they will win that they have to keep winning to stay on track to host the Sunbelt title game. They're the favorite to win their fourth straight Sunbelt championship. Meanwhile, Mountaineers fans keep rooting against teams like Boise State and Memphis and SMU and Cincinnati. Other one-loss teams that have shots at their group of five conference championships. The Mountaineers need to finish 12-1 and and Sunbelt champs and have some of those others lose if they're going to play in the biggest FBS bowl game of their relatively short history at the FBS level. More on that with more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Duke is at Wake. UNC hosts Mercer seeking win number five. If the Heels get that as expected, they would fit, travel to Raleigh next weekend, having a chance, of course, at the sixth win you need for bowl eligibility. Pitt is at Virginia Tech. Panthers must win to stay in the coastal race. The Hokies must win to control their fate, if you will. BC is at Notre Dame with people questioning Steve Adazio's future as the seventh-year head coach of the Eagles who has never had more than seven wins in a single season. The Wolfpack, of course, came up short last night in Atlanta, some debating Dave Doran's tenure in Raleigh, but after five straight bowl games, he certainly has had more higher-end success than a guy like Steve Adazio in his seven years at Boston College. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on Free For All Friday. You're right to bring up, and actually there might be an aspiring lawyer in you if you brought up the only other example on video in NFL's, as far as I know, in NFL history, certainly in modern televised routinely NFL history, there's only one other example that I am aware of where, yes, a player like Miles Garrett did used an opponent's helmet as a weapon against that opponent. It happened with Richie Incognito as the guy whose helmet was used to, in that case, kind of glance at him. And what happened is, again, if, you, if your mindset was, why did Miles Garrett get six games when this dude only got one regular season game? You're an aspiring defense attorney. Like, that's good. You're advocating for your client. You're trying to compare them. You want the appeals person 
to see them as similar as possible so that you can say, why'd that dude only miss one paycheck and my guy's missing six? And for those who don't know, the indefinite suspension of Miles Garrett is an unpaid suspension. Six out of 16 paychecks he is not going to receive. That'll upset the family budget no matter what your income level is. That's for sure. So it's a big deal. It's the largest suspension for an on-field single incident in the history of the NFL. Of course, it's a big deal. I would encourage you, though, and I don't know if you're just being an advocate for Miles Garrett. If you are, no problem. But what I would have done as the arbiter, and I actually have training as a mediator, I would have compared and contrasted the two videos. And the long story short in the Richie Incognito case is that Richie was kind of engaged with a defensive lineman, and they were grabbing at each other's face mask, and the defensive guy hung on to his face mask so tightly that it did, the helmet did come off Richie Incognito's head. Just imagine if, if your arm's momentum is going all the way in one direction as you're yanking at an opponent's face mask. So say right to left or left to right, whatever. You yank your opponent's face mask off, and in the same sequence, like as you go from right to left, you come back left to right. That's what that case was. And the helmet barely hit Richie Incognito, and there was really no time for the guy to think. It was, I'm grabbing him right to left. I didn't expect his helmet to come off, but it did. And then in defending myself, I brought my hands back in the other direction. And yeah, it happened to be still on my hand. And it kind of glanced off of Richie Incognito. So you're right that that guy got a suspension. And you're right that that guy missed only one regular season game and thus one regular season paycheck. Interesting side note, that same suspended guy years ago missed two preseason games as part of his suspension. You don't get paychecks for preseason games. Like, how harsh a penalty is that? Oh, thank you for sus- thank you for that part of the suspension. I'd really like that regular season paycheck, but I don't mind missing those tr- two preseason games at all. So technically, it was a three-game suspension, right, for swinging the helmet. Only one of the three. Again, a regular season game, meaning only one of the three. An actual paycheck missed. That matters more. But when you look at the difference, Miles Garrett had time and space to figure out what he was going to do. If you look at the incognito video, it happens so quickly. Motion left, motion right, and then the guy drops the helmet. In the chaos of that Steelers-Browns fracas, Miles Garrett had the helmet in his hand with a little time to think. Now, it was chaotic, but it wasn't in a split second. And as Mason Rudolph is, you know, rushing Miles Garrett and a couple of other Steelers players are there as well, Miles Garrett clearly is aiming for Mason Rudolph's head with intent and only a few seconds to think about it, but it wasn't just push right, pull right, pull left, pull left. It was grab it off his head. There was time and space between the men for just a little bit, and yet Miles Garrett decided to try to throw over a Steelers lineman and clock the unprotected head of Mason Rudolph. You're right to try to compare the two. And if you're defending Miles Garrett, you're right to try to point out the similarities. But I think any objective person would see massive, massive differences between the two cases. Miles Garrett would not have been suspended for anything close to six games if the, unexpe- the helmet unexpectedly came off and then they bumped each other again and then he dropped it. 
that's what happened in the incognito case. That is definitely not what happened in the Miles Garrett case. 1-800-849-2761. Josh is in Charlotte and next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hello, David. Happy Friday. Right back at you, man. What's going on? Hey, uh, with Philip Rivers, I hope his career is not over. Uh, I think that his contract is up, but I think he's earned the right to finish whenever he wants to. And uh, I wanted to make sure that you agree that he should be in the Hall of Fame whenever that career does end. I feel like he's just gotten so unlucky. The Chargers are cursed. He has had good players around him, but he hadn't had defense and offense at the same time, one or the other, not both. And he has to do with Tom Brady. And I feel like Eli got lucky, you know, to win uh, one or one or maybe even two of his Super Bowls. And, um, you know, Phillip is a better quarterback than Eli. And Eli's probably yeah. in the Hall of Fame just because of two lucky Super Bowls. Yeah, I'm not sure I would vote for Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. But he's probably going to get in. And, of course, two, two Super Bowl titles is the starting point for that debate. Or, or for at least advocating for Eli. I think it's fair... I, as a, if I were a voter, I'm not, but if I were a voter, I would leave the Philip Rivers candidacy on the back burner for right now because he is definitely a worthy candidate because of all the things you just mentioned. And he's, you know, up there with Dan Fouts in every category in the history of the Chargers organization. He does lack enough postseason success for that to be a huge positive. When you've never even been to the Super Bowl, much less won one, that is going to weigh against you. But I would bring up in that room all the things you're bringing up. Most years it was the defense letting the Chargers down or the special teams letting the Chargers down or a lack of a running game. Or, let's face it, if you happen to be a member, a franchise located in the AFC during this insane best-in-the-history-of-the-NFL run by the New England Patriots, that's kind of bad luck for you. And if you're Phillip Rivers and that one time you got to that AFC title game, it happens to be Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and a Patriots defense waiting for you there. Well, that's going to limit in ways that other quarterbacks in other eras didn't have to deal with. That's going to limit the, the body of work in your postseason success. Most of his numbers are so far through the roof that, of course, he's going to enter that conversation, and deservedly so. My hope is that he's not done yet and that he actually adds to his resume. I, obviously, this year's Chargers are unlikely to get him to the postseason, but you know, I'm a Phillip Rivers fan. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the history of the ACC, a league I've covered for 33 years. He was – I have never seen someone maximize – what to me at the beginning looked like a high school throwing motion and barely that, to be honest, like that whole sidearm thing. And is he really going to be able to get to the next level? This is at the beginning of Philip Rivers time at NC State. Well, this way, which is working fine in the ACC, he certainly is not athletic enough to run away from NFL caliber defenders. He has absolutely no running game whatsoever. And if you have zero, zero athleticism by those standards, of course he's a great athlete by human being standards. I mean by can you get around anybody? Is it, you know, could Phillip Rivers dodge a nose tackle? Like probably not, right? You have to be so incredibly smart and so incredibly efficient from the pocket and with your pre-snap reads and all that that, that you have to overcome your lack of, of creativity with your legs, et cetera. And to his credit, he's done all of those things. He has, I thought he would be a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. I did not think all along at NC State 
I mean, I, by ACC standards, he was off the charts. That was easy to see even in his freshman season, and he didn't even redshirt. He was a four-year starter for the Wolfpack. I knew he would make it to the NFL, son of a high school coach, un- ultimate gamer, football IQ through the roof, and I thought he'd be able to overcome that lack of foot speed. And he's done all of those things. But did I think he'd end up in the Hall of Fame conversation? There's no way I could honestly tell you that I thought that a decade and a half ago. And he absolutely belongs in that conversation. I'm another one of those that if I were in that room, I would want more data in front of me before I said ultimate yes, ultimate no on Phillip Rivers as a Hall of Famer. I know that there are people adamant that he falls just short. And I know, of course, there are other people who are just as adamant that you shouldn't hold him back simply because of those things that were not his fault that we just laid out there. I think he's a classic case of a worthy debate. That's one of the reasons it's worth, it's worth raising. I lean yes, even as I root for him to add to his resume. You are right that he's in his last year with his, uh, the Chargers. There are rumors that he has contemplated Tennessee or other places that might need a quarterback for that perhaps final chapter of his pro career. I don't know what to make of that exactly. Most people, I think, expect him to re-sign and stay with the Chargers. Uh, but he's not done yet. He's made that pretty clear. And he's still performing at a high enough level that he's consistently rated among the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL uh, by the people who do that sort of thing for a living. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Hall of Fame votes are hard, man. This is live sports radio. Darren, you know how seriously I take questions? Like, I want to give you my truth serum answer. But if I were in that room, and I am a voter on a lot of things, and I spend so many hours. I was going to say, like, I've seen the way you approach I, I, even your. I'm a geek. Your, you I'm know, a total geek. College basketball, All-American. I wanna, you know, you don't see I those guys. I want to be fair to these coaches. Yeah. I want to be fair to these players. Now, in the ACC, my ballot, I can crack out a little quicker. Yeah. Because I've been <laughs> watching them for three months or six months or whatever. Exactly. But, like, my Football Writers Association of America ballot is actually due today. I've told them it bothers me that I'm supposed to cast my ballot for this is nationally now. I vote in a lot of national awards, football, basketball, and otherwise. I don't like the concept of casting my ballot when all the players and coaches have coached 10 out of 12 games. That's like illogical to me. And you know how I get when I get illogical, Darren. <laughs> like, you know, it's like uh, it's like the Incredible Hulk. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. You know, the guy before he turns all ripped and green. Uh, I'm I'm that guy, Bef- and until I find wait a minute, I'm evaluating people on a season, but I only have ten data points out of twelve, and yet my deadline is tonight. I mean, I'm a happy paying re- paying a member of the Football Writers Association of America. There are a lot of great people, but that is nonsensical, isn't it? I'm not. I'm, we're not labeling it as the first 10-game All-Americans, are we? We're label, these guys are the 2019 college football All-Americans, and my name is on my ballot. I don't like that. What if you saved your two best teams, best games for last? What if your two best opponents, I'm looking at you, Ohio State, are your last two regular season opponents, right? And I got to place my ballot before you play the two toughest teams on your schedule. That's weird. You never know what's going to happen on Free For All Friday, Darren. Glad I could get that off my chest. Football Writers Association of America. They're not the only ones who do it, by the way. No. They're not. But at least like my all-ACC ballot, 
yes, it does become come before the NCAA tournament, you know, and people sometimes are confused. Well, how how can you pick a coach of the year when the ultimate measure of a coach is whether he has his team in March Madness and then ready to succeed in March Madness? Well, what I don't know the I wasn't around in 1950 something when they decided that the coach of the year ballot was due before the ACC tournament. I'm just trying to be a good soldier and cast my ballot on time. You know, I, I a lot of this doesn't make much sense, but that in particular, you, you're you can make the argument you're voting the player and coach of the year for the regular season, and there are other awards for the postseason, right? Final Four MOP or, you know, postseason most valuable player, et cetera. I get that part. I'm okay with end of regular season ballots. I'm still having a hard time with the 10 games out of 12, and my ballot is due. 1-800-849-2761. Chris Patola of ESPN on college basketball in about 15 minutes. One by one, Duke's freshmen continue to impress in support of their sophomore point guard, Trey Jones. Devils are number one in the nation as they take on Georgetown tonight at Madison Square Garden. Carolina has the reliable veteran Garrison Brooks up front, has the phenomenal freshman Cole Anthony at point guard, and got a huge game this week from the freshman center Armando Baycott. Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski, the fellow Hall of Famers, I think player by player hope to add consistently reliable tools in the toolbox, if you will, between now and January as both of those teams are positioned in the national top 10 and join Louisville and UVA in the ACC's top four. You have questions or comments? You want to steer us in a different direction? We have more on the NFL's Week 12, including the Panthers' trip to New Orleans, and college football Week 13, including Penn State at Ohio State. The Canes lost last night. The Hornets have a very winnable weekend schedule. You can be next with your question or comment at 1-800-849-2761. We'll discuss more sports near and afar next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who passed that law? You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Quick response to an email about some chaos surrounding yet another of the college football programs in or close to our neighborhood. I was asked about the South Carolina Gamecock situation. As we come to your calls, Mark is in Raleigh and has college football games on his mind, leading the three to see, at least nationally, number eight Penn State is visiting number two Ohio State. That game is actually at noon tomorrow. So the best game of the college football weekend is one of the first games to kick off tomorrow uh, during nationwide play. That is not something that you can usually say out loud, at least not accurately, but it is the case tomorrow. There are other important games. A&M at Georgia, your CBS 330 game. We'll be at the Aggie Eagle Classic in Greensboro. Duke is visiting Wake Forest. Pitt is at Virginia Tech, etc. Charlotte's trying to get to bowl eligibility. Others need a couple more wins to get there. But as we come to your calls, Mark and Raleigh has the Buckeyes against the Nittany Lions on his mind. Dale and Graham has some college 
sports and the NHL on his mind. If you haven't followed this case, whereas Florida State has a vacancy, and we'll just leave that on the back burner, but Willie Taggart already fired, and there are realistic candidates, unrealistic candidates, some of them that uh, were run up the flagpole has, have already been confirmed as ridiculous clickbait and Bob Stoops and Deion Sanders are not going to be the next head coaches or head coach at Florida State so that's a huge vacancy of course in the ACC Arkansas is vacant in the SEC Boston College might become vacant in the ACC we'll see how Steve Adazio finishes five and five right now but it's his seventh year plays at Notre Dame and then at Pitt may lose both if you miss a bowl in year seven do you keep your job we'll see well, similar questions are being asked about Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Whatever you think about that, as we come back to your calls, Chris Spatola of ESPN on college basketball a little bit later this hour, your phone calls now. I can tell you this, and, and it sounds like the South Carolina writer is frustrated with what's happening here. Darren, I have shared with you my belief as a business owner, as an adult human being, as a decision maker, etc. I am not a huge fan of the concept that if somebody is good at something, let's say I owned a business that's big enough that it just has octopus arms in so many different directions that job A under my umbrella may be very different than job B or C or D or E. They might be completely unrelated arms of the octopus, hoping that, you know, it's not just I actually have owned sports media companies, but this hypothetical is much more of a conglomerate with things way beyond sports media, et cetera. I am not a believer, even though some of the wealthiest and most successful people that I have ever partnered with in business do this regularly, sometimes with me rolling my eyes at them, but it's happened, I guess, well enough, frequently enough, that they have successful companies that tend to be larger than my successful companies. So maybe the, maybe this is part of what they're getting right, or maybe their success is despite this particular approach. I'll leave you all to your own opinion on this. But my approach is just because you're good at this job description over here, and maybe I like you on top of it, if I get a completely unrelated job description or mostly unrelated job description over here, I'm not going to plug the square peg into a round hole just because I like you and just because you showed competence in a different field. Like in my sports media organization, I would never assume that my brilliant photographer should also be the person who's the last set of eyes on my content before headlines and, content and articles get to the printer. Like if they are, great. But I would be able to tell you whether or not they were. I'm not assuming the photographer is great at that just because I like the photographer. Ain't going to happen. I've never, never agreed with this approach. For whatever reason, the University of South Carolina hired as its president a guy named Robert Caslin, whose background was much more in the military. So I respect this man clearly, his service to our country, his leadership, his time at West Point, his time at the Pentagon. There's no doubt about the guy as an impressive servant to our country and the armed forces. Didn't have the typical background, though, of a university president. And after a really nasty back and forth debate, and South Carolina grads and alum and boosters could tell you about this in way more detail than I can, it got wicked and Robert Cashlin got the job over objections of a lot of people. 
I believe my theory has proven to be true. Because despite being a really good leader, do you know who, who keeps creating? Chancellors and presidents often have to put out fires created by others. That's a fundamental aspect of their job. Oh, what's wrong today? You walk in and you hope your job looks this way as a president or chancellor, but you have to be versatile enough to, whatever, deal with financial issues, campus issues, security issues, publicity issues. Like, you just don't know what fire's going to come your way, what phone call's going to come your way, and you got to be versatile. Well, Robert Cashlin has continued to create firestorms around the South Carolina football job. Like, has nobody ever advised this man on how to answer the question about your football coach? All coaches are evaluated. If you have nothing else to say, just say all coaches. I evaluate all coaches at the end of the season in all sports, and I have no further public comment until then. He had an interview with the local newspaper where something kind of came out the wrong way. And then he had to follow that up with a clarification. And that didn't come out the right way. And he had to follow that up with a clarification. And that didn't come out the, the right way. So somebody else in the South Carolina hierarchy had to put out a statement that also didn't come out the right way. And it's all surrounding Will Muschamp, at this point, the veteran head coach of the Gamecocks. They're probably going to finish 4-8. and eight. Of course, that means they already know they're going to miss a bowl. And his future is under discussion. That's the sensical part of the equation the South Carolina continuing to fan the flames of anger in their own football fan base by saying things publicly that they don't need to say and then putting out statements that they don't need to put out all because they're overreacting to whatever angry mob is out there chasing Will Muschamp truth serum answers are not always helpful and you do not owe in the middle of a season to your fan base or anything else, you do not owe public comments of that sort to them. Say politely, root on your Gamecocks the best you can to the conclusion of this regular season, and I will evaluate Will Muschamp at the end of this campaign just as I will every other head coach in our athletic department. I'm sure the guy was great at his job at the Pentagon. I'm glad he was leading our troops overseas. I'm glad he put in time as the superintendent at West Point. His credentials are unquestionable. His service to our country, unquestionable. But you have seen in a matter of months, this guy was just appointed like in August or this summer. You've seen in a matter of months why I intensely dislike the square peg round hole concept. Just because you're good at A, B, C, and D, just because you have a worthy of our admiration resume in unrelated things for the most part, doesn't mean you're going to make a great university president. I hope he does all sorts of great things for South Carolina. My daughter's got a list of 10 different universities that she's considering, and the Gamecocks or South Carolina is one of those 10 or a dozen or whatever. I've paid a lot of filing fees, Darren. That number keeps going up. She's a high school student here in North Carolina. She may stay in-state. She may leave the state. We'll see. But if this stuff gets too crazy, I'm going to say, uh, Abe, you sure? Is this the clown show that you really want to sign up for? At some point, this guy's either got to show that he's right for this job, including his leadership as it involves athletics or the future of Gamecocks football, or they need to find somebody else to do that job, or they need somebody to whisper into his military ear, maybe he didn't take a lot of orders as a high-ranking official in the armed forces. 
You must listen to those who know the university and athletic department settings infinitely better than you do, sir, or you will continue to create fires that are hard to put out and do nothing good for the future of South Carolina athletics. 1-800-849-2761. Mark and Raleigh, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, man. What's on your mind? Well, I'm an Ohio State fan. I think they uh, take the eye test to another level, and I think they're the best team in the country. I'm probably a little biased, but it's just um, I would love to see an Ohio State-LSU final. Yeah. Uh, my concern with Ohio State, of course, you have Chase Young coming back this week, which is exciting as well. He's sure. a fun player to watch. But uh, they have not had a bad game, and that is untypical of the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> and uh they do have a new coach and everything else, so I'm a little concerned about uh, Penn State coming in, and then of course Michigan, then the Big Ten championship. That they are, uh, they again, they've looked good every game, and they've not had a letdown. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like if you had to guess, and, and I hope you caught Stanley Jackson on our show this week. We talked a lot of Buckeyes. Stanley, former Buckeyes quarterback, now with the Big Ten Network. Uh, we talked about the return of Chase Young. We talked about the um, amazing season. Uh, of your quarterback, Justin Fields, uh, and, and we talked about the matchup itself. But even if you missed that, uh, I agree with you. Obviously, as a longtime observer of college football, it is incredibly hard to get human beings to play near their peak 12 times in a row. I mean, the human element suggests that that's almost impossible. And the Buckeyes, for those who haven't seen, are essentially 10 for 10. Even when they have played uh, their better opponents, like a Wisconsin's a pretty good football team, and the Buckeyes beat Wisconsin 38-7. to You know, Cincinnati is in the national top 20 right now. They beat the Bearcats 42-0. to So it's as close to perfect football through 10 games as you get. Even LSU and Clemson have had close games. The, the, the uh, Buckeyes have had nothing close to that. I think Penn State is better than Michigan in terms of your next two opponents, but I'm a big believer that most teams are far more likely to have that scary moment on the road. You know, Penn State is better offensively than most Penn State teams. I don't think they're as dominant defensively uh, as some of James Franklin's teams. And with the Buckeyes at home this weekend, I just think they're going to win again. Man, Chase Young is back. They're giving up like nine points a game. Uh, they have the home crowd behind them. I don't think you'd lose at Michigan, but I would have your worry a week from now. Because weird stuff happens in rivalry games, right? Especially when you're on the road. Jim Harbaugh has as part of his narrative right now. He's done a lot of good things. He's won a lot of games. He's had a lot of 10-win campaigns. But he has been lousy against the Wolverines' biggest rivals. And with the Buckeyes at Michigan, obviously, you're going to have a lot of players who want to change that narrative. So... I, I like Ohio State this week. I do think the Buckeyes are one of the four... Uh, Best teams in the country, meaning most worthy of selection for the college football playoff when that time comes. It is must-see TV tomorrow at noon. Number eight, Penn State, one of the better one-loss resumes out there against number two, Ohio State, the only one of the unbeatens that has not played a single close game so far. 1-800-849-2761. I don't think your concerns are as big this week as perhaps they will be next week. Chris Batola knows college basketball, once worked under Coach K at Duke, now does a great job for ESPN and Sirius XM and The Athletic. He joins us live next on The David Glenn Show. 
He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music that's for that? Right. That's Matt Midler. There we go. You are the wind beneath my wings. Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. Our next guest is one of our favorites on college basketball. He worked as a coach in this great industry. He is now an analyst for ESPN and SiriusXM and The Athletic. He was an outstanding guard at West Point back in the day. As a lot of football players at the college level are coming up on their senior days this week or next week. Before we dive into Duke and Carolina and other college hoops with Chris Spatola, what do you recall from the Wayback Machine, Chris, about either the build-up to your senior day or the aftermath or anything else? Because I imagine at West Point, you know, there's there's an extra layer of emotion to all that. Yeah, well, you're almost out of there. Hell yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> part of it, I was, I was uh, still concerned if I was going to graduate or not. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a miracle that that happened. Um, but you know what, David? The, the one thing about West Point is, is – that final year is a culmination of a lot of things. It's a lot of hell that you had to go through. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of relationships where, you know, look, you, you go through a lot of things there where some of the relationships, you develop some deep bonds. So there are a lot of uh, points in that senior year, that first year at West Point, David, that, um, you know, are very emotional. And, and senior night as an athlete is, is certainly one of those. So I remember like it was yesterday, uh, we ended up beating Navy, uh, which was uh, is always one of the greatest feelings there is. So I, I remember it clearly. <laughs> that helps, beating Navy. Chris Spatola is on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. In our neighborhood, Duke got a great win over Cal last night in terms of the avalanche details of the win they take on Georgetown tonight also at Madison Square Garden the Blue Devils of course right now are carrying that number one overall ranking in the polls it's uh, been a long time since we saw two different number ones in the AP poll uh, lose in the month of November so we're just getting started and yet Michigan State and Kentucky both lost that top ranking what does that say about this year's field as it compares to some of the others that you've covered in your time uh, as a college basketball analyst? Yeah, it's a weird year. Um, you know, th th there hasn't been a whole lot of buzz, if, we're, if I'm being candid. Um, you know, and, and I think part of it's we're, we're coming off of the hangover of Zion Williamson and all that was. And, you know, at this point, we had a, a sense that Trey Young was going to do or, or have a special year. Yeah. You know, we just haven't quite had that and, and frankly the James Wiseman story is is not a story that you want to be dominating the headlines uh your point about a team not really being able to hang on to that one spot Kansas and Michigan State which to me going into the year were definitive one two however you wanted to order it in the country because of the players they brought back um and it just you know they lose on the opening night so it just it's been an odd start to the year and, and probably not in a good way um, but, you know, look, I, I think we've got some of these younger teams, you know, Duke being one of them, who we're starting to see these guys get better. I think it's the other thing, too, David, these Thanksgiving tournaments, like I'm going down to do the battle for Atlantis, and it's a loaded field. 
Uh, we Maui's good again. You know, last year we got the Duke and Zaga game. Like you get some games and you get some revelations from these Thanksgiving tournaments that I think gives us at least a little bit of a clearer picture of where some of these teams are at. Something jolted me earlier this week that I wanted your feedback on. As I watched Carolina struggle with Elon for about a half, and then they did pull away for a double-digit win uh, in the latter part of that. I mean, Mike Schragge is a former Duke guy now in his first year with the Phoenix. I certainly want to give them credit for their effort and what they did. But as I watched Carolina play, Chris, and this seems weird to say out loud for a team that is in the national top ten of the rankings – even I'm smart enough to see the brilliance of Cole Anthony, right? Most of us can see the progress of the big fella Armando Baycott. And then I just threw uh, the veteran big man Garrison Brooks in there as well. And I said, after those three guys for Roy Williams, who certainly form a nice foundation, and maybe they can get a lot better moving forward, after that, I saw a lot of dudes who would look just as comfortable in the Colonial Athletic Association on the Tar Heel roster as in the Atlantic Coast Conference. You know, Christian Keeling played at Charleston Southern. Justin Pierce, a transfer, another transfer, played at William & Mary. Those guys are grad transfers. Brandon Robinson is injured right now and has some experience. Uh, Andrew Playtech, you know, uh, other guys. It feels like after his top three, Roy Williams just has kind of a pedestrian roster by Carolina standards. And my question would be, if that combination is good enough for the national top ten, we must have a very watered-down year in college basketball. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think those two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think we do have a watered-down top ten. Um, and I think you have a Carolina team whose two best players are freshmen. Uh, and, and it's a team that is not going to be able, at least in the early going here, score the ball the way that we know. Um, you know, look, I, I think so much of our predictive measurements now, David, are speculative. I do think Carolina will, will be good. I mean, first of all, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, like think about the production and the players that they lost and, and really oh, yeah. the experience in veterans. You know what I mean? Like, and then all of a sudden you turn around and your two best players uh, or certainly your two most talented players are freshmen. Um, those, those grad transfers were never going to be the answer. Uh, you know, Christian Keeling, I think will come along, but the shooting windows and the, the athleticism and the size a lot different in this league, that's going to take an adjustment. The other thing with Keeling is like, I, I saw him play at Charleston Southern. That dude had a neon green light. There were shots that he was going <laughs> to be able to take right. that, you know what I mean? Like it takes pressure off. Now, all of a sudden you have a finite number of shots you're going to get in a the game. There's pressure now on those shots. Uh, not to mention now you're playing at a level where size athleticism is a difference maker. So, you know, look, I think Robinson coming back will give them an offensive punch. Um, I, I, you know, I think ultimately Anthony settles in and, and you'll see a more consistent shot selection scoring dominance from him. I think Baycott will continue to get better. So I, I mean, I think ultimately they're a top 10 product, but uh, there's been a lot I think we were expecting a more refined product from Carolina at this point in the year, and it just wasn't realistic. Chris Spatola is joining us from ESPN Sirius XM on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. Given that kind of speculative journey and, and curve that you just described there, it's easy for me to see, you know, sophomore Trey Jones, one by one, we're seeing glimpses of, wow, Cassius Stanley on these nights, and wow, Vernon Carey last night. It's not hard to see Duke as a great combination, especially later this year, uh, of talent and depth and experience, and of course, a Hall of Famer pushing the buttons. Who else have you seen nationally? 
that either right now or as you envision them in January or beyond, who, who else fits in a similar description where maybe you can point to them and say, okay, now I see four or five or six future NBA players in this team's rotation or that team's rotation because I don't see it at UVA or UNC, but I see it at Duke. I maybe see it at Louisville, and I wonder how many other examples there are out there. Yeah, I mean, I, geez, I, I think – Louisville is, they've got at least two pros on their team right now. I mean, Enoch and, and Jordan Wara are pros. Um, you know, I'm excited to see Malik Williams and, and, and what he looks like when he gets back. Yeah. Uh, Chris Mack has raved. I, I did their game the other day. Chris Mack has raved about their freshman, David Johnson. Like, so much has been made about Sam Williamson. He loves David Johnson. So, I mean, they, they, have, they have a high talent level. But, I, you know, look, it's just kind of, Guys who stick around, like guys coming back, David, like there's a reason they're coming back to school. If they were good enough, yeah. they're going. Yep. You know what I mean? So, like, a lot of these teams – so we're basically in a wait and see. That's the other problem with why college basketball, outside of being in the umbrella of football, why it struggles early is because we're waiting to see who the real talent is. You know, like, there are good players coming back into college, but I think we're waiting to see, okay – who are the special players? Who are the top 15 picks in the NBA draft? Like, that's what we're waiting on. And you just, you know, you haven't seen it yet. You know, I, there, there's a few teams, again, just in, in my preparation for Atlantis. Like, I think Oregon's got some players. Gonzaga's actually uh, recruited yeah. really well. Like, there are some teams like that that I think people will start to know who their young players are. But it's just this day and age in college basketball, David. You know it. Early happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks for dropping by on this free-for-all Friday edition of the weekend. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. Be good. You got it. Chris Patola of ESPN. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch to the sounds of Jimmy Buffett. A little lovely cruise to take you into the weekend as we're halfway to Margaritaville on the David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the leaping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch come. Little Jimmy Buffett for you. This song is called Lovely Cruise. We try to make it that for you in the sports world five days a week on our statewide syndicated program. Thanks for putting up with our bad days and celebrating our good days with us. My recommendations this weekend include not only Panthers at the Saints Sunday afternoon, Penn State at Ohio State tomorrow at noon, other good NFL, Seattle at Philly, Dallas at New England, Packers at 49ers, of course, support your local teams as well. We'll see you at the Aggie Eagle Classic in Greensboro. We'll be right there next to A&T's BB&T Stadium starting at 10 a.m. leading up to the kickoff between the Aggies and the Eagles. A lot of NCAA soccer, soccer action involving our teams, the UNC Duke, NC State, and other women, Wake Forest and other men from the ACC and elsewhere, Charlotte and Campbell playing in that elimination bracket as well. Enjoy those games and any others you can find. We'll see you Monday on The David Glenn Show.
Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.